Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now. M-S-W Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, May 19th, 2023. Today, turns out Jim Jordan's whistleblowers weren't only paid off by Trump surrogates like Kosh Patel, they also had their security clearances revoked by the FBI. Eric Prince has been indicted in Austria. Deutsche Bank pays a $75 million settlement to an Epstein accuser. Disney pulls a $1 billion project and 2,000 jobs from Florida. And Ron DeSantis signs a bill that allows the state to take trans kids from their families. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana. Happy Friday. You too. I'm even on the sign and I'm just fucking annoyed. I really I, hate this mm. guy. I really hate. I don't hate people. I hate DeSantis at the, the trauma he's causing to the, the people in his own state, much less putting fear into the rest of the trans community across this country that God forbid he goes anywhere near the fucking White House. I'm just I'm over it. I'm over it. I don't know how out of one side of your face you can say small government. We want to shrink government down to a size where we can drown it in a bathtub. And, you know, we just don't need the big hand of the government coming in. And parents have rights, parents rights, parents rights. But on the other side of your fucking mouth, 
You're like, oh, we're going to come into your house and look at your family. And if we decide arbitrarily that you have a trans child, we're going to take that child. We're going to state sanctioned fucking kidnapping. It's so disgusting. And I mean, we got like a, a, a Florida triple threat this week, right? We got Ron DeSantis announcing he's running for president. Then we've got this, he signs this anti-trans bill, anti-gay, like all of these awful, horrible government overreach, nanny state based in fascism bills. But then Disney strikes back yep. based on what he's doing. And I mean, I don't understand how he thinks he's going to, you know, be governor of Florida again, let alone president of the United States, eating pudding with his fingers. Disgusting fuck. I hate him too. I really I do. I really, really do. And this is absurd. There's, and, and I know I don't want to get too much at the top of the hour because I know we need to get into it, but how do you even fucking figure out if there's a trans kid in a household? There, that means that, what, any girl with short hair or any boy with long hair is going to be investigated. None of these kids, and I mean this, kids, even though they're trying to tell you that there's genital mutilation, none of them are having any sort of surgery when they are children. Mm -mm. It's just infuriating. So what is this, a little girl walking around because she wants to wear a tie to school and has short hair? All of a sudden she's going to be taken away from her family? Like, I can't. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to wear blue onesies and have my hair up tomorrow. Am I subject to being taken away? It's it's the most ridiculous and and frankly genocidal shit yeah. I've, I've heard in a really long time um, coming out of Florida these days. Uh, yeah, I I don't understand it either. How they're going to determine who? Yeah, are they going to go in and if your kid is circumcised, are they going to take your kid away? I know it's a really good. I, I mean, it's just absurd. And then that goes into genital checks. Like, who the hell? Because uh, I can't. I can't. We should probably get into some other news, or you and I are going to burn this yeah. place down. <laughs> <laughs> I love that flow chart. Uh, does the sport your child plays involve the genitals? Yes. Your child shouldn't play that sport. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> you shouldn't inspect the genitals. Like, it yeah. doesn't make any. But it's oh, uh, okay. Anyway, you're right. Now, there is a little bit of other news uh, that I wanted to just point out. We're going to cover this on the Jack podcast and on the cleanup on Aisle 45. Uh, for cleanup on Aisle 45, news in the Weaponization Committee, the three Jim Jordan whistleblowers that testified today had their clearances revoked for doing shit like downloading information off of government computers onto unauthorized devices like flash drives. That is a big fucking... That isn't a whistleblower. A whistleblower is the guy who reports that guy. Yeah. That's a whistleblower. And the funny part is how we learned this information from the New York Times. Jacqueline Alamany came on and told Nicole Wallace on Deadline White House, Jim Jordan asked the FBI for the information on these whistleblowers. And when the FBI came to them and said, yeah, they're fuck ups and we had to revoke their security clearances, he was like, la, 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 never mind, never mind. I don't want it. I don't want it. And then he kept that quiet, much like the uh, no voter fraud reports that Donald Trump paid $1.5 million for. No, yep. I'm not. It didn't release that information. So the FBI released it. Best fucking cell phone ever. And Pete and I are going to cover that on cleanup. And for the Jack podcast this weekend, Nick Luna was seen coming out of uh, the grand jury. He testified to the grand jury all day today. He's one of the Ocha Nostra. Those are the eight people that the judge, uh, Beryl Howell, forced to testify, saying they don't have executive privilege. Trump was trying to stop it with executive privilege. So he's number five of eight. All that's left, I think, are O'Brien, Johnny McEntee, and Mark Meadows. Those are the only three left uh, of people who need to testify in the January 6th investigation. My goodness. So that, I think, is about to wrap up as well. All right. So with all that, let's get to the news. Let's hit the hot notes. Okay. 
hot notes. All right. Trump ally and former head of Blackwater, brother of Trump Education Secretary Betsy DeVos, Eric Prince. Remember the guy who met in the Seychelles? Is I very much do. Trump's surrogate when he met with Putin's surrogate to discuss, quote unquote, sanctions busting. Well, he's been indicted for sanctions busting. <laughs> he's been indicted in Austria for his for his alleged involvement in trafficking arms to Libya in violation of the U.N. arms embargo. The indictment comes as a result. He was like he bought some planes and then like strapped some guns to him and missiles to him and gave them to Libya. And the U.N.'s like, you can't fucking do that, bro. Oh, There's my arms God. In, in Libya. And we've been talking about that with like Craig Unger on the Mueller She Wrote podcast for a long time now. The indictment comes as a result of the U.N. security report issued in February of 2021, all those years ago, which provided compelling evidence supporting the allegations against Eric Prince. The report, conducted by a U.N. expert panel, revealed that Prince orchestrated a covert military operation in Africa, clandestinely supplying Libyan generals and a warlord named Khalifa Haftar with expensive war equipment to support his fight against the government. Once the front man of the infamous Blackwater U.S. mercenary group, 53-year-old Eric Prince, who also wanted to do the Marshall Plan, where we would put nuclear reactors built by Russia in the Middle East, and he would guard them with his mercenaries to recolonize the Middle East. That was, that was like him and Flynn wanted to do that. But he's no stranger to controversy, right? Known for his association with Trump and Mohammed bin Zayed al-Nahyan, the, the crown prince of the UAE. Eric Prince mingles with the world's power elite, but like the the shitty ones. Prince's latest situation is set to bring him from boardrooms and palaces to an Austrian courtroom as a legal storm gathers around him. Weiner Neustadt prosecutors have prepared a case against him and four others citing violations of Section 7 of the War Material Act. The case filed on April 20th, 420 word, revolves around alleged illicit trade in explosives and war equipment. These are offenses that could get him a five-year prison term in Austria and Österreich. The development underlines the unfolding narrative involving the dynamics of international law and the weapons industry. Austria's allegations against Prince involve an alleged covert operation supporting Libyan rebel leader Khalifa Haftar in 2019 in defiance of the UN Security Council decree. Prince is accused of supplying Haftar with military assets, including attack helicopters, drones, mercenaries, and weaponry worth over 80 million bucks. Reportedly, one such shipment passed through Austria. That's why Austria has been able to indict him, with Prince employing Austrian firm Globus to transport 20 tons of explosives from Bulgaria to Libya. Good Lord. Uh, yeah. Although these explosives were allegedly for uh, demining, right? We're going we're gonna to use these for demining. UN experts dispute that claim and contend they were for military deployment. We need attack helicopters for demining. However, Austrian customs thwarted the delivery due to a, a contravention in the EU arms embargo on Libya. They, they said, no, no, no. Prince, along with the CEO of Globus, a Bulgarian arms dealer, a British security advisor, and a South African pilot, have now been indicted by the prosecutors in Austria. Their charges under the file number 48HV4423T, in case you're wondering, include allegations of violating the War Material Act, which forbids unauthorization of exportation of weaponry. All five individuals are implicated in the case. And despite the allegations, Prince has reportedly denied involvement, distancing himself from Globus and these guys. 
He's also dismissed the UN's allegations concerning his Libyan dealings as baseless, claiming he has no business connections with Libya at all. I was just giving him guns and explosives and helicopters. It's not yet gone to trial, but proceedings are likely to commence soon. Should Prince be found guilty, he could face maximum sentence of five years, like I said, but his extradition to Austria or a voluntary surrender remains uncertain and is probably unlikely. Thank you so much, A.G. And this is from the Wall Street Journal. Deutsche Bank has agreed to pay $75 million to settle a proposed class action lawsuit charging that the financial institution facilitated Jeffrey Epstein's sex trafficking ring. This is lawyers who sued the bank on behalf of alleged victims. A woman who's listed anonymously as Jane Doe in court papers filed the suit last year in New York on behalf of herself and other accusers of the disgraced financier and deceased. Now, she alleged Deutsche Bank did business with Epstein for five years while knowing that he was using money in his bank accounts to further his sex trafficking activity. Mm, now, they knew. They knew. They knew. The Doe plaintiff alleged she was sexually abused by Epstein and trafficked to his friends from about 2003 until about 2018 and was also paid in cash for sex acts. The lawsuit alleged Deutsche Bank ignored red flags, including payments to numerous young women. The settlement is expected to compensate dozens of the accusers. Now, Epstein died by suicide, or did he? Uh, Yep. In a federal jail in New York in 2019 while awaiting trial on sex trafficking charges. Dylan Riddle, a spokesman for Deutsche Bank, declined to comment on the settlement, but said the bank has invested more than 4 billion euros, which is the equivalent of $4.34 billion, to bolster controls, training, and operational processes, and has increased the size of its workforce dedicated to fighting financial crime. Yeah, whatever. Yep. And he went on to say in a quote, in recent years, Deutsche Bank has made considerable progress in remedying a number of past issues. Donald That is quite the statement. (laughs) Yep. The bank didn't admit wrongdoing as part of the settlement, according to people familiar with the matter. The plaintiff's lawyers from the law firms Boy Schiller Flexner and Edwards Pottinger or Pottinger, probably Pottinger, said on Wednesday they believe the $75 million was the largest sex trafficking settlement involved in banking institution. Hmm. And this is a quote. This groundbreaking settlement is the culmination of two law firms conducting more than a decade-long investigation to hold one of Epstein's financial banking partners responsible for the role it played in facilitating his trafficking organization. They said that in a joint statement. We thought it was just a private hedge fund. It was just a private hedge fund. They didn't know, just a back channel. The Deutsche Bank complaint was one of two lawsuits that took aim at banks for allegedly enabling Epstein to recruit and groom hundreds of underage girls and young women for sex with himself and his associates. The suits were filed last Thanksgiving when New York State opened a year-long window during which people who say they were sexually assaulted could file lawsuits no matter when the conduct occurred. Big deal. The other lawsuit filed by the same law firms, that's against J.P. Morgan Chase. The U.S. Virgin Islands also sued J.P. Morgan Chase last year, saying the bank facilitated Epstein's alleged sex trafficking and abuse by allowing the late financier to remain a client and helping him send money to his victims. Both suits against J.P. Morgan are ongoing, and Jamie Dimon, the bank's chief executive, is scheduled to be deposed in the cases later this month. That should be really fucking interesting. And Elon Musk was just subpoenaed. In the Virgin Islands, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase case. And I've said this before, Democrat or Republican, I want every son of a bitch who was involved in that ring to go down. Same. Now, the Deutsche Bank settlement came after the bank didn't oppose the plaintiff's request to certify the lawsuit as a class action, and the agreement still needs to be approved by a federal judge. I'm sure it will be. 
All right. Thank you for that. And yeah, mostly, usually when you do a settlement like that, there's not an admission of guilt that a requirement that goes along with it. But making the settlement, eh, yeah, it leans toward an admission of guilt. <laughs> yeah. We've, and coming out and saying, we've cleaned up our act. We've cleaned up our act. From from what? From being so cool all the, that time? Or mm-hmm. like funding sex trafficking? Okay, cool. All right. Fuck around and find out. Florida edition from Brooks Barnes at the Times. In March, Disney called Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida anti-business for his scorched earth attempt to tighten oversight of the company's theme park resort near Orlando. Last month, when Disney sued the governor and his allies for what it called a targeted campaign of government retaliation, the company made clear that the $17 billion in planned investment in Walt Disney World was on the line. They, they said that. They're like, really? We have about, about to drop $17 billion in your state. You sure you want to be an asshole? Quote, does the state want us to invest more, employ more people, and pay more taxes or not? That was Robert Iger, Disney's chief executive on an earnings-related conference call with analysts last week. And on Thursday, Mr. Iger and Josh DeMauro, Disney's theme park and consumer products chairman, showed that they were not bluffing. They pulled the plug on a $1 billion office complex that was scheduled for construction in Orlando, Florida. It would have brought more than 2,000 jobs to the region, and these aren't just any jobs. These are $120,000 average salary jobs. That's according to an estimate from the Florida Department of Economic Opportunity, which is going to be a really sad and quiet place really soon. The project, known as the Lake Nona Town Center, was supposed to involve the relocation of more than 1,000 employees from Southern California, including most of a department known as Imagineering, which works with Disney's movie studios to develop theme park attractions. Most of the affected employees complained bitterly about having to move, and some quit. But Disney held firm, partly because of a Florida tax credit that would have allowed the company to recoup as much as $570 million over 20 years for building and occupying the complex. When he announced the project in 2021, DeMauro cited Florida's business-friendly climate as a justification. But DeMauro's tone in an email to employees on Thursday was notably different. He cited changing business conditions as a reason for canceling the Lake Nona project. He said, quote, I remain optimistic about the direction of our Walt Disney World business, he said in the memo. He noted that $17 billion was still earmarked for construction at Disney World over the next decade, growth that would create about 13,000 jobs, and said, I hope we're able to. <laughs> but the company's battle with DeSantis and his allies, and the, I just I feel like they're just going to keep peeling it, like yeah, projects away, like one by one. Like, yeah, you want a little bit more? Oh, you're going to pass that bill too? Mm-hmm. You know, just like keep pulling them off the table until the 17 billion is gone. I sure hope so. So the company's battle with Ron and his allies in the Florida legislature figured prominently into Disney's decision. It's this the reason. That's according to two people briefed on the matter who spoke anonymously to discuss the deliberations. A spokeswoman for Mr. Iger said he was not available for an interview. About 200 Disney employees already relocated to Florida from California. DeMaro said in a note that the company would discuss options with them, including moving you back. The Lake Nona project had initially been scheduled to open next year. Last July, Disney pushed back the move to 2026, citing construction delays. DeSantis and Disney, as you know, have been sparring for more than a year now over the tax district. The Florida education law opponents label the Don't Say Gay bill because it limits classroom instruction about gender identity, sexual orientation. And that angered Ron, who repeatedly vowed payback. And since then, the legislators, at the urging of DeSantis, have targeted Disney, the state's largest taxpayer, by the way, with a variety of hostile measures. In February, they ended Disney's long-held ability to self-govern its 25,000-acre resort as if it were a county by giving Mr. DeSantis control over government services at the resort. It was soon discovered that the previous Disney-controlled board 
had actually approved development contracts that locked in growth plans for the resort until 21 years after the last descendant of King Charles III passed away. (laughs) My God. So a very long time. An effort to avoid those agreements has since resulted in the dueling lawsuits with Disney suing DeSantis and his allies in federal court and the governor's tax district appointees returning fire in state court. Well, you may ask, AG, so what does DeSantis do? Like the day he announces he's running for president. Well, he signed a horrifying, horrifying bill. And this is what got me so fired up at the top of the show. Wednesday, that will let the state take transgender minors away from their families if they are receiving gender-affirming care. All right, the new law will allow the state to take custody of a child if they have been subjected to or are threatened with being subjected to gender-affirming care which includes puberty blockers or hormone replacement therapy. Florida courts could modify custody agreements from a different state if the minor is likely to receive gender-affirming care in that second state. The text refers to gender-affirming care as, quote, sex reassignment prescriptions or procedures and qualifies this care as a form of physical harm. So fucking mad. Medical facilities would have to give the State Department of Health a signed attestation that they neither provide gender-affirming care to any patients under the age of 18, nor refer people to providers that do. Their medical license renewal is contingent upon sending in this attestation form. But the bill also targets trans adults, and this is what's nuts. Only physicians are allowed to offer gender-affirming care, not nurse practitioners. Anyone who violates the law could be charged with a misdemeanor. Minors who have already begun transitioning will be allowed to continue to do so, but they are no longer allowed to receive care via telehealth, including for prescriptions. Their doctors have to tell them about the risks of gender-affirming care, and patients will have to sign an informed consent form, which the ACLU has pointed out often contains misinformation, by the way. Mm, yeah. Yeah, doctors who violate any of these new rules could be charged with a felony. Republicans across the country have introduced bills targeting gender-affirming care, but this one is the most extreme measures yet. The people who support these bills insist that they are trying to protect children, but forcibly taking a kid from their loving family sounds more like traumatizing them to me. In fact, that's where the child abuse is, if you ask me. Now, what's more, by passing legislation that describes LGBTQ health care as something that should be penalized, lawmakers are putting people of all ages at risk for real harm in the situation. DeSantis also signed an anti-drag bill the same day, which is expected to end all pride parades in the state due to its vague wording. Mm. Now, you can read more about that bill here, and we will put that in the show notes. Wow. Unfucking believable And, I mean, it's Pride Month in, in 11 days. Yeah, June is the beginning of Pride Month, and there has already been several pride parades canceled in Florida. I'm hoping that there's a lot of people that are in the face of all of this going to still carry on as long as they're safe yeah. and, and make a public display of go fuck yourself to Ron DeSantis. My God. All right. Well, we're going to need some good news after that. So fortunately, we have some. If you have any good news you want to send in to us, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. We'll be right back with the good news. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Near, 
Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to give us a fun idiom or a new swear word you've heard or shit kids say or play what the mutt, a shout out to somebody you love or a local pet that's adoptable in your area or a local business you want to support or your business, whatever you want to send us, you can send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up, Dana from Jennifer, pronouns she and her. Hi, AG and Dana. Love the show. It's part of my listening routine every morning. Thank you, Jennifer. Here's my good news. My son, diagnosed on the autism spectrum at age three, just graduated from college with honors. Hell yes. We've always known he was brilliant and he worked so hard to get to this point despite the social and communicative challenges that come along with his flavor of autism. He graduated magna cum laude with a bachelor's in sports management. He has a job interview next week. The COVID shutdown happened in March of his freshman year. So he had to do the spring semester in virtual classes from home. It also caused the cancellation of the planned study abroad trip to the 2020 Summer Olympics in Japan. Oh, man. That one of his professors was going to lead for the sport management students. Despite all this, he returned to campus when it reopened and succeeded so well in his final three years that he graduated with a 3.85 GPA. Kicked my butt. So incredibly proud of him and excited to see what the future holds. Here's a picture of my amazing baby. Thanks for all you do and helping keep us sane in these crazy times. This is awesome. Congratulations. What a handsome young man, too. So, so great. I love hearing stuff like this. Awesome. All right. This is from Laura, pronouns she and her. Hi, Kitchen Days listener here, continuing to love the show as always. It's the podcast I tap on immediately when the notification flashes across my phone. Now, I have a correction. A six-week embryonic heart, which, as we all know, is actually 28 days from conception, isn't only electrical impulses. I'm, I'm not sure where that came from, but it's not an adult heart, but what is being detected by an ultrasound machine with Doppler is actually movement of the primitive embryonic heart, which has already done much of the heart tube folding process that forms oh. the four heart chambers and septation in beginning. Is beginning. Okay. Septation is beginning. Thank you very much for that. More in this, though. Blood has been pumped by the heart tube for maybe six to seven days by six weeks gestational age, day 28 since conception. And our incredibly sensitive OB instruments can pick up that minuscule flutter. The heart is basically the first organ to form because blood circulation is required for the ongoing development of the other organs. Makes total sense. I'm learning so much right now. Yep. Obviously, none of this says anything whatsoever about reproductive (laughs) rights. I just like since uh, we're on the side of the science and facts, we should always try to make sure they're as, as correct as possible. Also, I love embryology. It's fascinating. Right. I I think I would, too, because that whole submission was fascinating. There's a link to a nature article in the show notes, and we're going to have that in there. For my pod pet tax, I attach my rescue girl. She's looking schmick in her new harness (laughs) and has the goofiest grin. I've also attached her DNA result if you would like to guess. Oh, my God. Look at that happy face. Okay. So Pitbull, right? I would think so. Uh, Lab? Lab, maybe some terrier in there. Shepherd. Um, chow chow. Mm-hmm. And maybe some know. sort of a bulldog. Yeah, or a staff. I don't know what kind, but yeah. Let's see. We've got bull terrier. Okay, bull and terrier. Bull. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said bulldog and terrier, so I say that counts. Thank you. Uh, uh, Australian coolie. No, Jack no. Russell didn't say that. Australian kelpie and border collie. Okay, wow. All right. Well, Charlie's adorable. All I know is that Charlie's a happy dog. We got like half 
half a one. <laughs> oh my God. I'll give you credit for the Bull Terrier. Thank you. <laughs> I got zero. But thank you for that. And that is just fascinating. Seriously. Thank you for correcting me on that. Next up from Colin, pronouns he and him. Hey, Daily Beans. As a full-time PhD student, you have been a major help in keeping me updated with what's happening in my country in a way that my time constrictions allow. I am a Christian LGBTQ plus author and speech language pathologist. So cool. And I'm researching the intersection of gender and voice in my current studies. While this isn't my area of specialty, I do want to remind you that similarly to Trump making fun of Biden's stutter, we don't need to make fun of Rudy's speech impediment while discussing his flaws. Thank you for saying that. I am so sorry. So much time on the Stephanie Miller show. That one is definitely falls on me. And every once in a while, I forget my P's and Q's. So Colin, thank you. I take full responsibility for that. And I'm glad you said something. I had a feeling it was going to come from somewhere. There are plenty of real reasons that Rudy is a shitty and competent person and politician, but a speech disorder is not one of them. I'm sure you're on your audience would agree. Thank you so much for the daily news, and I so appreciate your bold news sharing. I have learned a lot. Attached is a picture of my dog, Epi. I have unfortunately left her in Texas with my parents while I'm doing my studies, but she's one of my favorite things in this world. Look it. <gasps> oh my God, so, so cute. Oh, she's adorable. Colin, thank you. Thank you for that correction. Yeah, I always feel so bad when I know I've done something that the other side pisses me off for. Uh, it's my humanity, and I, I'm, I'm open to it, open to the growth. So thank you, Colin. All right, this is from Andrea, pronouns she and her. A little bit of good news from Idaho for once. This week, in an off-session election, our little town came out and forced to preserve the integrity of our local public libraries, shutting out the would-be book banners from the library board. Even in deep red Idaho, we are fighting the good fight and on occasion, picking up wins. For Pod Pet Tax, I'm sharing my dad's new kitten, Yoda, who has a baby man cat face. Mm. Artemis, the very hungry uh, ox- oxalotl, Axolotl, you got Hanging it. out in her kitty pool while I mm. clean her tank. And mm. one half of Hall and Oats. <laughs> a pair of African <laughs> dwarf frogs. What? Nice. Yeah, the great humans and animals in my life and beacons of truth and hope, like you all on the beans, keep me looking forward in our uncertain world. Congrats, Andrea and or Andrea. Look at that kitten. It is a baby cat man face. Oh, that, and the frog. That axolotl. I don't They're understand. So cool. He's got some fun little feathers on his ears. <laughs> They're so cool. I he probably doesn't have ears. So I'm going to get a correction. There's just fun little feathers <laughs> on his head. <laughs> it's fun. I like how they have the hand for scale, too. That's I know. So uh, all right. I'm going to take the next two here uh, from Jeremy. He and him. It's almost exactly six months since my doggo was declared clear of a persistent set of ear infections that we'd been struggling with for most of the year. Have a picture of her recovering from the drive, vet visit, and subsequent treats. <laughs> oh my goodness look at that sausage hound oh very happy with it looks like an octopus toy is that possible it's so i yeah i think so that's so great and from anonymous no pronouns hi beans queens a friend of mine turned me on to the daily beans and when i learned i could give a shout out to the adoptable pet i had to tell you about an amazing dog named sugar at the shelter where i volunteer she's a two-year-old little pit bull who looks like a piglet and gives the best hugs. She loves to be around humans, but not other dogs. I like to think of her as the dog equivalent of an introvert. Whenever I see her, she wiggles her little butt and she loves to climb on my lap and get head scratches. Unfortunately, because our shelter is overcrowded, she needs to be adopted by May 24th. Everybody, that's like five days from now. She's at Bradshaw Animal Shelter in Sacramento, California. And her ID number is A827312. She really is one of the sweetest dogs I've ever met, and I'm hoping to find her a home where she's loved and appreciated 
Oh, look at the face. Oh, that is a bad... Look at the snout. Mm-hmm. It's a good snout. Mm-hmm. Boop the snoot. All right, this one's from Colleen. Pronounce she and her good news or confession. Lately, whenever I listen to the ad-supported version of MSW Podcast, I always hear an ad for the Maytag Appliance brand, which is celebrating Maytag Month, the good... Maybe news is that their ad jingle is set to the tune of the song Stacy's Mom. <laughs> I love that song. I find it equally delightful and appalling that some jingle writers got away with a callback to Fountain of Wayne's 2003 hit O2 Adolescent MILF Appreciation. Uh, one of the best songwriters ever. Stacy's mom has got it going on. I'm so sad he's not with us anymore. Yeah. Though, uh, from Fountains of Wayne. But yeah, Stacy's mom has got it going on. Uh, just mm, my heart, that song. That's so funny. Maytag Month has Stacy's mom. Oh and I like, God. like, why? Like, what's the connection? I guess Gen Xers are buying a lot of appliances these days either that or it's a really misogynistic commercial that just stacy's mom like only the moms need washer and dryers or because she's got a mom likes the spin cycle you know maybe she sits on the dryer when it's on right right spin cycle stacy's mom could be that's right yeah we're trying to find the best in what seems to be a big ripoff of a great we have to we have to find the the better angels of our advertising nature I think that's what Lincoln said. Um, Anyway, thank you so much for your good news and your corrections. Uh, We definitely take them all to heart and do our best. And we keep working, keep sending them. Uh, We will continue to make mistakes. I do all the time. Just let me know and I will fix it and move forward and do the best we can. Same. Because that's, you know, why? Why And you know, if you listen to (laughs) Stephanie Miller, she's a bad influence on all of us. So, (laughs) Mama is. One of the smartest women I know, but... mm. (laughs) Bad influence. Bad influence. In the She's the one that's going to get me arrested if I ever. Get, or my mother. My mother might also get me arrested. If you know the the B Goldberg, she is so funny. <laughs> but sometimes I'm like, you can't say that. You're not allowed to say that you out loud. Can't say that out loud, Mama. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, but if, thank you. And for all your good news needs and corrections and confessions and everything you want to send to us, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Um, it's Friday. There is no happy hour today. That is going to be next Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 Eastern for patrons. And hey, if you want to become a patron, now is the time. We're gearing up for the next six months. It's going to be indictment season. Okay. And there, there might be extra bonus episodes and emergency episodes, and you might have questions for me to ask on the happy hours that we do every every other week. And so now is the time. If you've never signed up, we're at the end. Like, this is the season finale. This is the six months. This is what we've been fucking waiting for since I started these podcasts. So sign up at patreon.com slash Muller She Wrote. The Jack podcast, you can, if you sign up at the $5 a month level, five, five bucks a month, uh, you get both Jack and the Daily Beans. And so I really, really encourage you to do that. It really helps us put these shows together. And, you know, I just keep, I'm, I'm like a break-even enterprise. Whenever more money comes in, I just pay the people that work with me more. <laughs> you know, that's kind of... I love that. You two are I a think, generous human being. I think the best way to do it, right? That's the best way to do it. So thank you very much to our current patrons. And, and, and hey, if you can't swing it, this show's always free because I love it. And uh, I would do it for free if, even if I... We did it for free for the first six months. <laughs> <laughs> you paid your dues, my dear. You paid your dues. We had fun. We had so much fun and we still have fun. And I love you, my friend. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I'll see all of my Beans fans. If any of you got a ticket in Albuquerque for May 20th, I'll be Berkey. there Saturday. And I cannot wait to be back in Berkey. 
ooh, ooh, ooh. It's going to be such a good show. Turn out. I want to see photos. Yeah, you have, so I'm also filming it, so hopefully we'll get a good tape. Excellent. Oh, it's going to be so good. All right. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we'll have an episode of Jack on Sunday. We'll have the bonus weekly wrap-up this weekend. We'll have the cleanup on our 45 weekly wrap-up for patrons this weekend. And then, Dana, will you be back on Monday with us? Um, yes, I will be back on Monday. Next week's going to be a tiny bit spotty just because of work, but we'll talk about that. But I will be back in your ears Monday morning. Awesome. Until then, everybody, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take someone with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis' first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in an Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.